0: Hi, and welcome to the third episode of our summer series, where we focus on true crime cases and paranormal cases in Southland, El Pueblo, Hollywood. Let's get Hollyweird. Hi guys, welcome back. Another week in our summer series. I'm Cassie. And I'm Tiffany. And this is Happy Hour Gets Weird. Hollyweird. Yeah, our summer series. Um, so, we survived another week mm-hmm. of the worst year on record. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just happy to be here. Me too. And uh, what are we drinking this week?
1: We are drinking a very delicious concoction of Cassie's own making.
0: Yeah, I haven't named it yet um, a strawberry tequila sparkler. Since we're getting close to 4th of July. Oh, I like that. That's
1: perfect. Or spicy straw. It's
0: a little spicy. Yeah, it is spicy. My lips are tingling. So it's basically just strawberry nectar, habanero infused simple syrup, tequila, lime juice and club soda.
1: And fresh muddled strawberries. Yes,
0: and fresh muddled strawberries. It's fantastic. Uh, As always, our recipe and pictures will be on our social media accounts, Instagram and Instagram. Instagram, and instagram
1: sometimes i post them on twitter sometimes but, they're on twitter um it's it's very good it's very refreshing
0: it is very refreshing and before we get into this episode we want to play a promo to a podcast we're loving and Paige, the host is pretty awesome too
1: she's fantastic
0: yeah so check it out and give it a subscribe and a listen My name is Paige, and I'm the host of Reverie True Crime. Reverie means to daydream, but even daydreams can become nightmares. Come join me and get lost in horrific reverie about true crimes and eerie events. Reverie True Crime Podcast, available wherever you stream your favorite podcasts.
1: So check out that fabulous podcast. We love you,
0: Paige. All right. So today we are getting into a true crime case. Actually, it's true crime, but it's also kind of like, ooh, is this
1: paranormal?
0: Yes. Um, It's very interesting. But first, before we get into it, I just want to put out a disclaimer we do have uh, our podcast listed as explicit, mm-hmm. but this episode, it has a lot of murder.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we talk about um, details of suicide and also um, uh, details of a um, child murder. Okay. So I just want to put a disclaimer. If that is triggering to you in any way, please just turn off this episode. Do not go any further Go listen to our one and dones, which are a little bit more lighthearted. This is going to be, um, we're talking a lot of death in this episode.
1: Okay, so I'm just going to go in the other room. <laughs> now, thank you for uh, saying that.
0: I just don't want anybody to be surprised. By at- our
1: content. Yes.
0: I'm just going to start by citing my sources. I read the book, the section on this topic. I'm not I don't want to give it away yet. Uh, but in the book Gourmet Ghost 2 by James T. Bartlett. And it's basically a really cool book. I actually recommend it. There's Gourmet Ghosts, the, f- the, the first one. And it basically talks about like haunted places Ooh, in LA fun. specifically. Oh my gosh, so, how fun. Yeah, it's really cool. So Gourmet Ghosts 2 includes our subject. Um, so I read the section on our subject It was very interesting. And it's cool because James Bartlett, most of his sources for the book, at least on the section I read, were all L.A. Times articles. So uh, not only did James use L.A. Times, like real L.A. Times articles Mm -hmm. at the time period, but Mm -hmm. he also included pictures from those articles and headlines. So
1: I love reading Old newspaper newspaper articles. Everything's on there. Um, I read an article from seven that was written in seventy one this week. It's. I love it. I'm obsessed.
0: They were savages. Yeah. They did not leave. And there was the no sugarcoating. So
1: long. At least all the ones that I come across. It's like every article I feel like is ten times longer. I think people had a better attention span <laughs> yeah. even in the seventies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that's a pretty good book. And I also used a couple Wikipedia pages. Um, On the source just to kind of like double check things and check things that I, you know. I want that book. So now that I've listed my sources and I've also (laughs) set a disclaimer, we are going to be talking about Hotel Cecil in downtown Los Angeles and all the fucked up shit that happens there.
1: I can't wait for us to
0: go. I'm, I'm, I will never. We're going to go there. Nope. As soon as COVID's over. Okay. So you, after this, after we're done here, I'm going to ask you if you want to go there at the end of this. And I bet you will say no. I bet I won't. Hotel Cecil located at 604 South Main Street, Los Angeles, California, 90014. Better known as the Cecil. The hotel was built in 1924 by hotelier William Banks Hanner. Boasting 700 rooms amongst 14 stories, it was the largest hotel in the fast-growing Los Angeles. Built in the Beaux-Arts style, which has French neoclassicism, but also Gothic with a little bit of Renaissance touch, it had a grandiose marble lobby, stained glass windows, and an alabaster statuary, which is a bunch of statues together. That
1: sounds a little
0: creepy. It was quite beautiful.
1: It sounds beautiful. And also, for some reason, maybe because I know the status of the Cecil at this point, I thought that it was a lot smaller. mm I thought it was a little boutique hotel.
0: Mm-mm. Hanner built the Hotel Cecil with confidence that it would be an attraction to international and wealthy travelers, business moguls, and celebrities alike. He fully expected that at least five other luxury hotels would be built in the same area. But what Hanner didn't anticipate was five years after spending $1 million building the hotel, the United States would fall into the Great Depression. Throughout the 30s and 40s, the Hotel Cecil did well as a chic destination hotel. Despite doing well, it wasn't long before death checked in.
1: (gasps) That's a good line.
0: Only 18 months after opening, guest William McKay died in his room, although under no suspicious circumstances. It was the first death on the Cecil's books. In 1927, a burglar and suspected murderer was arrested in his room. And it seems that not only death, but bad luck seemed to follow residents on and off the property, including a plane crash, a shooting, a car wreck.
1: Wait, a plane crash? hmm Okay.
0: Identity theft and a coma. The victims were all residents of the Cecil. Okay. So a, a resident, someone who was living or staying at the Cecil died in a plane crash while staying there. Not on the premises, but just...
1: Like immediately after leaving, after checking out or checking in,
0: yeah, he was staying there, mm-hmm. and he went while he was still a guest mm-hmm. at the Cecil, went in a plane, and died in a plane crash, and then somebody also staying there fell into a coma after her husband passed away. Someone was shot by an a, a, an ex friend. Someone was in a was run over by a car. Maybe not on the on but just while they were a guest there yes that's a lot that is a lot it, I thought it was weird it is weird on November 19th 1931 W.K. Norton 46 from Manhattan Beach was found dead in his room next to a pile of empty poison capsules his family had been looking for him for over a week and he was discovered at the Cecil under the name James Willies of Chicago
1: he poisoned himself
0: mm-hmm wow I mean, wouldn't be my first choice, but no, it was common. Wow. I mean, I don't know if they were like selling poison capsules or... Yeah, why
1: was the poison in a capsule?
0: I don't know. And what I don't understand is why do you have to open the capsules and then take the poison? Couldn't you just... Swallow the capsule? Swallow the capsules. I don't know.
1: Maybe he was pouring it into a cocktail.
0: Maybe. July 1934, Army Medical Corps Sergeant Louis... D. Borden, 53 year old, slashed his own throat with a razor.
1: Jesus. Okay, that's worse than the poison.
0: I told you that I made a disclaimer for a reason. I
1: know, but I thought I was like, wow, poison, that's a really sad way to die. But slashing your own throat is also
0: crazy. You know, that reminds me, I watched that movie Knives Out.
1: That reminds me I watched Invisible Man last night.
0: Oh my gosh, the one where the guy um wears the suit.
1: Yes. Did you watch that?
0: Uh no, I wikipedia it, I'm of course.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. You should watch it. It's actually, it's not there's a few jump scares. No, but it's I very already read suspense- the Wikipedia page. Okay, it's very suspenseful. It's very good.
0: Okay. The Wikipedia page told me that.
1: Okay, that's it's not the same thing. I don't
0: have time to watch a two hour Shame. movie. Shame
1: shame it's it's honestly better than i thought it was gonna be it was good
0: that's what i heard it was good from wikipedia louis borden he left a suicide note and his suicide note mentioned poor health for the reason okay. uh, that he took his life okay so he
1: was suffering yeah that's sad
0: march 1937 grace e margot who was 25, jumped from a ninth-story window, hitting telephone poles and telephone wires on her way down. Unsure if it was an accident or a suicide, police questioned the man sleeping in the same room with her, Mm. and he also had no idea if it was an accident or intentional. She later died at the hospital.
1: And there's no way that he could have done it?
0: I mean, that's what I thought, but I don't know. I'm not a 1937 police officer, so I have no You're not? Great. (laughs)
1: That was the whole premise for this podcast, was two 1937 police officers get together.
0: See here. (laughs) Did she jump or did she fall?
1: See. (laughs) The only thing we know about old Tommy detectives is is they say, see here. Yes. The whole time. Uh, Yeah.
0: January 1938. Roy Thompson, a thirty-five year old ship fireman, jumped from the top of the Cecil, landing on a skylight of a neighboring building. He had been staying at the Cecil for several weeks. What? Yeah, I'm I, I'm wondering, is it the Cecil? Like, is it driving Like people? the Shining? Yes, because there's so many Did so they many. make
1: this hotel out of
0: bones? I think they did. May 1939 sailor Irwin Neblet also another one who ingested poison in his room and then January 1940 45-year-old teacher Dorothy Sager used poison as well to end her life
1: I think that people think that poison is better than it is well like I mean, more peaceful than it is I think it's actually not I mean useful. when they
0: say poison at first you know you think like a bottle with like a skull and crossbones on it. Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, there's also. um, Pill, you know, yeah, overdoses. But don't you get sick?
1: Don't you get I sick know, when you have never
0: done it? I don't know.
1: I'm not sure either. I just from what I've seen of other people who have been poisoned, but that is also smaller doses over mm-hmm. extended periods of time. Mm-hmm. They always end up getting so sick and it just seems like. But I don't know. I don't know. And I'm still keep thinking, like, why do they sell poison in tablets?
0: That's why I was like, what would the
1: purpose of the tablet be other than ingesting it?
0: Well, they said poison in the newspapers, but I'm wondering, was it just an overdose on a medication they were prescribed?
1: Oh, and they just call any overdose like poisoning. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's a good guess, You know, like
0: Tylenol or, Mm -hmm. you know. After a quiet few years, the Cecil was back In the headlines, September 1944, Dorothy Jean Purcell, who was 19 at the time, was accused of throwing her newborn baby (gasps) from a nearby window. Oh, my God. Sleeping next to 38-year-old Ben Levine, she awoke in the middle of the night with severe stomach cramps. Not wanting to wake Levine or Levine, she went to the bathroom. Apparently, she was unaware that she was pregnant and delivered the baby boy in the bathroom. Believing the baby was stillborn, she threw him out a window. He was found on a nearby roof the next day. This is a quote from the LA Times article written about this case. Dorothy Jean said, quote, I don't know why I did it, but I thought he was dead. She was charged and found not guilty by reason of insanity, at her trial. And she was sent to a psychiatric facility for a thorough examination. So yeah, the Cecil has been through some shit. Clearly. Like, it's, I don't know if it's the vibe. I don't know if they, yeah, like you said, literally made the building out of bones. Or I don't just know.
1: the time, like, after the depression, mm-hmm. things are bad. The yeah. world also felt like it was on fire back then. A hundred years ago, the world also felt like it was on fire.
0: Yeah. I mean, if I was staying at the Cecil or working at the Cecil, I would also feel like the world was, uh, yeah, burning itself to the ground.
1: I mean, LA seems like a glitz and glamour kind of place, but it has a dark undercurrent.
0: Yes. on November nineteen In November 1947, another suicide at the Cecil, Robert Smith, who was 35 and from Long Beach, fell from his window. So I noticed that in the LA times, they often said fell
1: mm-hmm.
0: as, uh, like a suicide j- jumper or, mm-hmm. um, I think sometimes maybe they didn't know if they intentionally, but jumped. they
1: still classified it as a suicide.
0: Yes. Hmm. But they just said fell from window. I don't know if that was a way to, um, Minimize. Minimize, yeah, the the suicide aspect Mm -hmm. of of the case, or I don't know what, but they said fell a lot. In the 50s, just blocks away from the hotel, homelessness, drug addiction, and crime transformed the surrounding streets to the beginnings of L.A.'s infamous Skid Row. Nearly 10,000 transients were living in downtown L.A., After two decades, Hotel Cecil started to see a decline in business, but unfortunately, an incline in deaths. Reading this about the Cecil and how many suicides took place here, um, I thought it was highly unusual that a hotel would have so many suicides. Mm -hmm. But the author of this book, James Bartlett, Mentioned that it was kind of common, especially back in those days, for someone to um, end their life at a hotel because...
1: That way their family wouldn't find them. Right.
0: And just for for simple reasons that that, that you wouldn't necessarily think about, but you could quite literally put a sign on the door for no disruptions. Yeah. Um, their family wouldn't find them. And people find hotel rooms to be... Like in
1: a o- peaceful oasis.
0: Yes. And also they don't have an emotional tie to yeah. them. They're mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, co- cold and.
1: So the opposite of a peaceful oasis.
0: <laughs> you know, they have no like, emotional ties. Not, you're not surrounded by things that you grew up with. Yeah. Um, you know, the the couch that your partner picked out, your children's rooms down the hall. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. your, you're kind of removed from the space.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense. Is what I'm
0: trying to say. L- like, long story longer. Sorry. So, taking a much-needed break from baby murder and suicide, in early December 1952, police suspected the Cecil might be mission control for a bank robber known as the Grandma Bandit. Grandma Bandit? The Grandma Bandit. Oh,
1: my God. That's my band name. <laughs> and my stage name. I love it. And my underwear.
0: I lo- <laughs> Definitely <laughs> the name of my underwear. On the run after three bank robberies, an elderly lady had managed to dodge police for months.
1: Oh my God. We have to do a whole episode
0: about her. She's kind of awesome. Alfred H. Hughes, a resident at the Cecil and also a pickpocket, was arrested. (laughs) And while he was being arrested in his room at the Cecil, police found a a lady's black hat, a lady's scarf, and a lady's long black jacket, which is said what the grandma bandit wore. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. So the the grandma bandit was a man? No. Oh, okay.
0: And this led police to believe that he was the grandma bandit. Although Alfred (laughs) was a bandit, he was not, in fact, an elderly grandma. (laughs) Okay,
1: that's why I was confused. I was like, I thought maybe, you know.
0: Yeah. So they dressed him. They made him put on the clothing (laughs) and they put him in a lineup wearing the clothing. Oh, my God. He was not identified as the grandma bandit. (laughs) turns out the grandma bandit was a 52-year-old diverse divorcee named Ethel Martin Arada and she was arrested on in 1952 on Christmas Eve and she apparently told police when she was arrested I'm not a grandma so she said that that she um was divorced and didn't have any money and that's why she robbed the bank but. she
1: didn't have grandchildren that she no, was she was very upset they called so her pissed. grandma <laughs> yeah
0: she was very upset they called her grandma and she was only 52 which is not necessarily grandma grandma banded I would I wouldn't well maybe you know. she
1: had gray hair maybe so people thought that she was a little older I mean people get gray hair when they're in their 20s yeah
0: I have gray hair So we're moving from 1952 to 1954. So it seems like there was another short break of, like, peacefulness at the Cecil. In October 1954, Helen Gurney plunged to her death from her window and landed on the Hotel marquee. She was registered at the hotel under the name Margaret Brown of Denver. So another thing that I discovered while researching this is... Back in the f- the fifties and beyond, when you registered for a hotel, I think you registered your name and where you were from. Be- How weird, yeah, because the first,
1: yeah, know, I noticed that too. That it kept saying where they were from,
0: and and this time, usually the newspaper did not report the room mm-hmm. that that these um, people stayed in because even back in the fifties, it drew people to the hotel. Yeah. Out of curiosity.
1: Because true crime has always been a thing.
0: Yes. It's not new. Yes. So, but this time, the LA Times published the na- the number of her room. She stayed in room 704. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of those rooms. Okay. In 1962, Julia Francis, who had recently arrived from St. Louis, also jumped from her window. And that same year... Pauline Otten, who is 27, quote, leapt or fell from her window, and this time, in a tragic act of fate, landed on a pedestrian <gasps> walking by the Cecil.
1: Oh, my God.
0: His name was George Giani and Pauline landed on him, killing them both instantly.
1: Oh, my God. What horrible luck. What are the odds of I, that? Seriously,
0: it's so fucked up. At first, police thought it was a double suicide that they both chose to mm-hmm. commit suicide. but upon further examination, they found that George had his hands in his pockets, oh and he no. also had his shoes on, which apparently when you jump from very high places and you're wearing shoes the the they fall off yeah the the wind or or the uh, velocity rip rip your shoes off your feet. That makes sense. Yeah, so the, that's how they discovered he was actually yeah. a pedestrian walking underneath her window at the same exact moment that she fell. I never
1: thought about the shoes thing before.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing.
1: But also, like, if you're in your room, are you gonna really, really going to put your shoes on anyways?
0: Um, Maybe if you're on the rooftop.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but no, maybe you're wearing your shoes. I don't know. Um, in 1962, convicted arsonist Harvey Lynn Beagle... Was also a resident of the Cecil. A fire broke out at the hotel near the Cecil, and Harvey took it upon himself to complain to the firefighters fighting the fire that the newspaper had failed to report the actual dollar amount of damages from the previous fire he had set. <laughs> I'm like, spray him with your hose, throw him in the fire. <laughs> Send him in after to rescue some people. So obviously that was suspicious behavior to the police. So they arrested him and they charged him with arson at the Barclay Hotel. However, it turns out the Barclay fire was started by a guest who fell asleep smoking in bed. Oh my God. People used
1: to just smoke fucking everywhere. I know. In bed? Well, I mean, if you're at a hotel... I guess it's not that weird. I mean, you're at a hotel kind of drunk and you're like, I'm just going to have one more cigarette before yeah. I go to bed.
0: You stumble <laughs> up from the bar, the hotel bar, and yeah. you're just like, you know, maybe smoking soothes you. I mean, like, hey, smoking in bed could be modern day watching TV in bed, you know?
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Um, Yeah. So it turns out that the fire was actually started by some, I guess, just fell asleep smoking in bed. Mm-hmm. And Harvey was only found guilty of... Being an asshole. <laughs> but he was actually a convicted arsonist. He did start previous fires and was convicted. And he was legitimately upset that the newspaper said, like, the damages of his last fire was 4,000. In reality, it was 6,000 in damages. And he was very upset by that.
1: Yeah, he's like, I did way more damage than that. Yeah. Please don't cut my my crime short. Yes. Arson is such a fascinating crime. It really
0: is. It it's really like is. So, so psychological. Sexual and sexual. Yes. It's weird. Yes, it's weird. And it's fascinating in 1964 a couple of years later goldie osgood a kindred spirit a bird lover and well known for feeding pigeons in the pershing square so much so that her nickname was actually pigeon goldie she was a popular resident at the cecil sadly pigeon goldie was found murdered in her room at the cecil she was sexually assaulted strangled and stabbed
1: oh my god i know did they find the person the person
0: while a man who admitted knowing her was arrested after walking through pershing square wearing bloodstained clothing he was eventually let go after an investigation
1: what where was the what was the blood from
0: um i think people walked around with blood on them all the time he's like i'm
1: a butcher <laughs> I don't got think, an apron
0: I don't know I th- he was found um, he admitted that he knew her and he admitted that he had been around the Cecil at the time and he did have bloodstained clothing on but they found that he was not guilty of the crime. I don't I couldn't find any more else about it. How sad Yes so they released him and her case still remains unsolved. <sighs> But friends of hers brought bought flowers and brought them to Pershing Square and laid them in the square in her memory. Aww. I thought that was really beautiful.
1: I just picture her as the pigeon lady from Home Alone
0: 2. That's exactly what I pictured. <laughs> that's oh, what I'm that's
1: seeing a, in my mind. That's exactly
0: what I pictured. Aww. Thankfully, uneventful for more than a decade after Pigeon Goldie's murder. Thank God. Until Christmas Day, oh. 1976. A man named Jeffrey Thomas Palais was arrested on the roof of the Cecil. He was firing shots from his 22 semi-automatic rifle aimed at the sidewalk. Uh, Don't worry. Nobody was injured. Nobody was hurt at all. Nobody was hit. Nobody was injured. Goodness. I'm like finally fucking for once. Someone (laughs) doesn't die at the Cecil. A former psychiatric hospital patient. He said to the police, quote, I never intended to shoot anyone, end quote, but prove a point that it was easy to buy a gun and, quote, shoot a lot of people.
1: Okay, so he was just proving that I shouldn't even have a gun and I have one. Yes. You know what, great, because since then so much has changed. (laughs) It's
0: all fucked. Everything is like fucked, really. Everything is fucked. The world is on fire. Yeah, so even in 1976... A psychiatric patient knew that we needed gun control. Okay. So thankfully nobody got hurt while he was trying to prove a point. Although it was a stupid fucking way to prove a point.
1: But he's a psych, he has obviously has mental health issues.
0: Yeah. I mean, that could have just been an excuse like when he got caught. I don't know. It didn't, then the article didn't say any more about it. So now we're getting into the serial killers that stayed at the Cecil Hotel. The serial killer, Richard Ramirez, Mm -hmm. stayed at the hotel during his 1984 year-long rampage in the city of L.A.
1: Yeah.
0: It was said that he would smoke marijuana and play loud music in his room on the 14th floor. Many times he would dispose of his bloody clothes in the Cecil dumpsters.
1: He was a despicable human being.
0: Yeah, he was a piece of garbage. He should have thrown himself in the dumpster.
1: He should have.
0: In 1991, another serial killer was attracted to the Cecil, Jack Unterworker. Convicted of murdering sex workers from Austria and Czechoslovakia, Mm -hmm. Jack came to L.A. as a reporter Mm -hmm. to write about sex work in the United States versus Europe. Three sex workers were beaten, sexually assaulted, and strangled while Unterworker was working in L.A.
1: I've uh, listened to a podcast
0: about him before. I have never heard of him.
1: How disturbing is that? Yeah. I... So he was basically reporting about his own crimes.
0: Yes. I have never heard of him and I think that we should do an episode on him and his victims.
1: Uh, we can totally do that.
0: And there's a book. I've already looked it up. Isn't
1: that fucked up though?
0: Uh, Yeah, because he was in prison. Mm-hmm. And then did this whole like showboat. yeah, and he got he was, famous and
1: yeah about how he was reformed. yeah
0: yes. and then he started working in order to case victims. Mm-hmm. It was it's yeah, insane it's a crazy story. Yeah. yeah, I think we should do an episode on him. Okay. Another tranquil couple decades passed at the Cecil. Thank fucking God. No shit. until 2013, when a Canadian student, Elisa Lamb was visiting LA, she checked into the Cecil. Three weeks after being reported missing by her parents, guests and residents started to complain of foul-tasting tap water from their rooms, Mm. sometimes foul-smelling, and also sometimes came from the tap in a dark, blackish color. Mm. Upon investigation, Elisa's naked, decomposed body was found floating in one of the hotel rooftop water tanks. Police ruled her death an accidental drowning. However, sometime after her death, a video of Elisa in the elevator of the Cecil was released and she was acting strangely, punching multiple buttons, walking in and out of the elevator, peeking around the doors, etc. Some people think that she might have been interacting with someone just out of camera's view, maybe who intended her harm. Some people think that she was merely annoyed with the elevator's clear malfunction because the elevator door wasn't closing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a very uncomfortable video to watch for multiple reasons because one, you're watching a video of a woman very near to the end of her life. Mm -hmm. And two, you just don't know what's going on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The video is unclear yes you're not sure if she's like you said like if there's somebody just out of view Mm -hmm. or if she's just acting kind of erratically Mm -hmm. and it's definitely unsettling seeing a video seeing the last video of somebody alive
0: yes um some people think that she might be interacting with I'm sure one of the many ghosts (laughs) that haunts the hallways (laughs) of the Cecil it could be um Uh, And there's also speculation because she was, I think, diagnosed as bipolar. Mm -hmm. They, um, some some people speculate that she could have been having um, some kind of mental break. Mm -hmm. I have heard about this story Mm -hmm. before. I Mm -hmm. think, you know, a lot of people probably have. Mm -hmm.
1: But I don't know if I just never, I don't know if it was never brought to my attention or I just didn't, it just didn't really hit me. But the drinking water thing, the fact that people were drinking the water, Mm -hmm. Is very disturbing. Yeah,
0: they were showering, brushing their teeth, it's drinking the water. A lot. They tested the water and they found that there was no like harmful or deadly bacteria. Still, um, which is silver lining. Yeah, I, a very that nobody else was hurt. the thinnest or,
1: amount of silver lining that you can you well, can have. I'm, I'm, after I'm, you drink tainted drinking water from some poor girl's death, right? I. I am a Sagittarius, so I'm like
0: 76% optimist.
1: I'm a Sagittarius, so I'm 76% negative. <laughs> no, that's not how this
0: works. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, thankfully, no one else was was hurt. Yes. Elisa Lam's case has sparked many conspiracy theories. Um, and unfortunately, I feel like sometimes people forget that she was an actual person. And not just like an internet video and just not like a true crime case. Like she was an actual person. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some things, I'm not going to go into any more of the case, but there are things that are unanswered still. Like her cell phone was missing. It wasn't found with her body. And why were her clothes off? And where was her room key? And how did she get into the tank? They were locked.
1: Yeah. Was the... Some people have, there's been discrepancy about whether the tank door was open or closed. Mm-hmm. Would she have been able to actually get in there and shut it or mm-hmm. open it? Or there's, uh, there's a lot of s- Why would she
0: even get in there in the first place? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of like unanswered questions that have like spawned conspiracy theories. But it's
1: like, what do we say?
0: Wherever there is. A room for a question. There's room for your conspiracy yes. theory dick.
1: Yes. Void, voids in knowledge. Yes. Lead to conspiracies.
0: Yes. Eloquent and beautiful. Me, <laughs> I'm hot garbage, so I had to say dick. <laughs> Actually, if you're interested in more details to the case, Reverie True Crime, who we played the promo mm-hmm. um, earlier in the episode, Paige did a fantastic episode on Elisa Lamb. So go check that out. Now, the Cecil, like I said, has been through some shit. Um, between 2013 and 2015, so after Elisa Lamb was discovered um, deceased on the premises, there was not there wasn't any activity until um, just recently. Well, I say just recently, but four years ago in 2015, a 28-year-old unidentified man was found deceased on the premise of the Cecil, and his cause of death has not been determined as of yet. I don't think there's been anything since then. According to author uh, James Bartlett, the hotel has attracted attracted obviously many macabre fans. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about what exactly is going on at Hotel Cecil. The last time he tried to visit, there was a security guard at the front door with an earpiece and would not let him enter to take pictures he asked him you know what are you doing are you a guest do you have a room here so they're very they discourage the Cecil discourages any loitering or um, walking around into the lobby just to take pictures bothering guests bothering employees and they're actually not even called the Cecil anymore mm-hmm. they changed their name to stay on maine Oh, yeah, because they did a renovation, right? Mm -hmm. They did a big, in 2017, they did this, Mm -hmm. like, they started this big renovation. They were going to actually turn part of the hotel into, like, I guess, penthouses, kind Mm -hmm. of, for, like, permanent residents. Yeah, I heard about this reservation, or renovation. I don't think that they ever completed that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I looked on Yelp. I Yelped the hotel, and it got mixed reviews. (laughs) Um, But it says it's closed. So I don't know if it's closed because they're no longer business or it's closed because of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, Because it's right in the middle of downtown LA. I'm sure that it would be totally irresponsible to open their doors. Yeah. Yeah. So the Cecil and other downtown LA hotels even inspired a television series, American Horror Story Hotel, Which I know you watch American Horror Story. Mm -hmm. And I watched, I have watched every season. Hotel was, I would say, my top three. Um, It had, it was about a fictitious hotel with the name The Cortez. So I'm sorry. I mean, The Cecil, The Cortez. I feel like Ryan Murphy said that they based the series on multiple hotels in downtown LA but I'm pretty sure I'm gonna just go out on a limb and assume that it was just the Cecil mm-hmm. because some of the characters there was Richard Ramirez character in the show yeah there was a woman who committed suicide in the show yeah so I, I feel like they probably based it on the Cecil and didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings
1: I mean there's definitely enough there to just base it on the Cecil you wouldn't have to go out and find other hotels to get your inspiration that's no. for sure
0: no yeah so in the show there were like modern day vampires there were serial killers that stayed there and there were also ghosts and all were residents of the hotel that's cool I didn't watch that season I'm gonna have to check you didn't no oh my gosh I think even the devil stayed there at one point like the (laughs) actual devil in the show stayed there or it was a portal to hell I think actually that hotel was which to be honest maybe the Cecil is a portal to hell because a lot of fucked up shit happened there. Yeah, I guess in like the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, it seems like the suicides kind of um, dwindled after like the sixties and seventies. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure the Cecil being such a huge, tall hotel in LA and mm-hmm. one of the only ones like that, it was it was kind of like a draw to someone who would want to harm themselves without you know, in a hotel for the reasons we talked about earlier. So I could understand why maybe the Cortez, I keep saying the Cortez now, <laughs> it's the Cecil. Um, I'm sure maybe that's why the Cecil was such an attraction to someone who's, who's feeling sort like that. Sort of a beacon for suicide. Yes. The Cecil even has a separate Wikipedia page dedicated just to the deaths at the Cecil. So it has a Wikipedia page, like the main, the Cecil Mm -hmm. Hotel or Hotel Cecil. And then it has a separate page of just the deaths that happened there. Like it's, it's like, is it some kind? I think it's a portal to hell. Okay, I'm just going on the record. Please don't sue me, the Cecil Hotel or stay on (laughs) main. I'm just saying something fishy going on. I, I, there's something fishy going on. I think Cassie, me, I think the Hotel Cecil or Stay on Main as it's called now is one of those real life places that's even scarier than the fictional depictions of it and I will never stay there never ever now we're moving on from murder to the paranormal mm-hmm. um, it's been reported That over the years, um, guests have experienced cold spots, ghostly apparitions, the feeling of being watched while they were in the hotel, and even a boy captured a picture from the outside of the hotel of what people think might be a ghost hovering outside a window. Mm -hmm. Even the news, the local news covered his story and showed the picture on the news. Oh my God. I'll put the picture. Yes, post it. On Instagram. I think the Cecil just wants to like function as a hotel. And unfortunately it was a draw to people, um, experiencing suicidal thoughts. And, um, it was in a, for lack of better term, seedy part of town. So it was, it became known as like a vagrant hotel. Mm-hmm. People stayed there with, um, drug problems and, um, criminals stayed there and, um, on those poor unfortunate souls took took Ursula. Ursula, yes. The little mermaid. You know, I think unfortunately it's like you said became a beacon for, you know, unfortunate souls. So that's the Cecil Hotel. Zero out of five stars recommend.
1: <laughs> I five out of five. We will be there next year.
0: No. Live recording. No. I'd rather stay under a tarp on Skid Row. Oh, no, we're not. Because I feel like I read stories of people who stayed there and then like bad luck kind of followed them. Well, We can walk by it. Okay. We can walk by it. Totally the same thing. <laughs> anyway, so that's a Cecil Hotel. I'm so sorry if this episode had way too much death. It was a lot.
1: It was a heavy, but you did a fantastic job covering it.
0: Thank you. And on that note, I just wanted to mention... If you or someone you know is thinking about suicide, please, you are worth it. They are worth it. Please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It is 1-800-273-8255. Please reach out please talk to a counselor on the national suicide prevention lifeline. I felt like we talked about suicide a lot this episode because of a lot of suicides, um, happened at the Cecil. And I, I just needed to mention it. Look, me personally, these times are fucking heavy, man. Yeah. I find myself trying to navigate through an anxious depression that I have never had before. Um, I've suffered from anxiety and I've suffered from depression on and off. And now it's like a fucking super baby of anxious depression because of just like uh, the whole world like going on. And you're not alone. Everyone You are feels not it. alone. So please, if you're having suicidal thoughts, reach out and get help from the National Suicide Hotline. You're worth it. You are worth it. And on that note, love yourself. Lock your doors. And light some sage. And thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back next week. Thank you. Cheers to that.